Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. If you are like me and you are not so great at planning ahead, you got to try Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight is an app that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute, up to seven days in advance. It's perfect for a spontaneous getaway or indulging in a little staycation. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe. What are you waiting for? Get in on these killer last minute deals and download the Hotel Tonight app now. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRigger.com and joining me in the studio, he just got back from the Washington Monument. It's Andy Greenwald! In my defense, today was going to be all positive. Yeah. Right? We saw a movie. Yeah. Another movie. We saw Spider-Man. Spider-Man is a delight. We'll get to Spider-Man. I am back in the happy vibes. (laughs) We're sitting here. We're going to talk about stuff. I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Mm. I was going to uh, say something to our boss, Bill Simmons, about how much I enjoyed his John McEnroe podcast, but he wanted none of it. Nah, I don't want that. He's here. Bill's here in the studio because Bill saw Baby Driver. Yeah. I'm always eight days late. And nobody puts Bill in a corner. And Andy put Bill in a corner. I didn't know. I didn't even, I I wasn't aware. I'd fallen behind on my media. Uh I wasn't aware that every 18 months, Andy just enrages me. So did did Micah narc Andy out? Is that what happened? Yeah. Micah narked you out. Micah's upset. Micah's the most upset. <laughs> Micah gave me a very friendly retweet last night, though, so I feel like we're on good. That was probably a makeup for don't the fact it. that he don't jumped you it. into a Bill Simmons Twitter thread. He did do that. And you probably got hit by like a million Shams memes and then also just like just a lot of Boston People hate. are very tender in their baby drives. People do not like a disagreeing opinion about this. Wait, what was the last time I enraged you? 18 months ago. Um, <laughs> Wait, what was 18 months ago? 18 months ago Detective season the beginning two? of no, 2015. No, because I was kind of partly on Andy's side. I don't know. There was something yeah. else. Once, beginning once of 2016. You, you like shows that make that I <laughs> feel like, like they're just too precious. Yeah, but let's talk about... They, like Both of you like the Nick, and that made me mad. You didn't like the Nick? No. I thought you liked that. I don't like anything set before like 1950. <laughs> Game of Thrones alone was a big... <laughs> well, Game of Thrones has no year. It's <laughs> in the middle of... We don't know what year it is. Um... But it's not contemporary. You were you were just telling, telling me at lunch. You were like very excited because you've gotten fast. You got John Wick two and you got Baby Driver. It's like a good summer for you. It's it's a nice run of of iconic rewatchable action movies. I I will watch. I think Baby Driver. I will say I thought it was one car chase short. Yeah. Thought they could have squeezed one more in. I thought the first seven minutes was yeah. just incredible. Were you a John so Spencer Blues in. Explosion fan? No, not really. Okay. I liked it when the one red car went in between the other red cars. I'm not. I'm not Mr. Hatred on this. <laughs> no, just, I know. I know there. Re- it's just, one of those movies that you could go either way, and I'm sure the internet, the backlash already started. Oh yeah. No, but let me tell you, the front lash is strong and abiding. The front lash is good too. People, this is. Tell us where you stand on this. Here, here, here's here was what I got in trouble for. I think, a not liking the movie. B, I was basically saying I understand that a lot of the feel good energy surrounding this movie and a lot of the enthusiasm and a lot of the sensitivity comes from the fact that this is an original film it is not a comic book movie yes uh, and it's doing really well yeah and it has a good soundtrack and that's enough people are like you can't criticize this beautiful unicorn because it's so rare that we get one well, I don't agree with that I think that's I think that's a, has a lot to do with that's a separate argument uh, yeah but I think that one is coloring people's defensiveness about it yeah usually people are like it's a summer movie I like it I the don't like it the inverse of that is what are you judging it as like you know what I mean are you trying to say that what like is this supposed to be 
an Oscar contender in your mind, or were you no, just like? But my my feeling is, I I just thought it was incredibly empty, and I did not find it entertaining for that reason. Right. There were moments when I was kept trying to incredibly get into empty. it. I think there are performance. There are some performances you in find, it that are really strong. Do you find Point Break incredibly empty? No, Point Break. Point, point movies like Point Break like just take you. They're they're purely escapism, which yeah. is a legitimate thing. That I, I think I'm a fan of. Andy is an intellectual. <laughs> That's. Andy, That's enraging people enough. Andy saw Baby Driver. Yeah, he's yeah. experiencing it, uh-huh. and he's he's grading it against this higher level of what he thinks Baby Driver is going to be. Yeah. When in fact it was really just an action movie. Yeah, that's that what was we kind of cool and had weird performances and had evil John Hamm and evil Jamie Foxx. But there's such a dearth of action movies yeah. like this. Like John Wick is one. The Fast movies are, the, are and and then after that, it's like you either get really hardcore stuff like The Raid, right, or or nothing. So yeah. you basically, this is it. This is it for action movies. And it, it also, had, tonally, it, it had a kind of 90s feel that I think people sort of liked. That's a good That's a good call, a 90s feel. Yeah. I thought like John Hamm and Jamie Foxx especially felt like <laughs> villains from a 90s action because movie. Because they were alive and, and working <laughs> and the, in the 90s. Possibly because <laughs> they remember the 90s, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. they're not I thought young. it was a movie that had moments. Okay. You know, my theory on moments. Yeah. I need to have, for a movie I'm well, going to watch again. So what was your favorite moments. one in Baby Driver? I really liked Ansel Elgort in this. Wow. This is, I know. This is the first time take. you've ever enraged me. <laughs> I know. This is. I liked it. I thought it was like, it, it was a quirky, weird, kind of empty role that had to rely yeah. on him just being kind of weird yeah. and unique. And I thought he was weird and unique. And it kept my attention the whole time. I, it was like, I never went to the bathroom. I was <laughs> locked in. I was like, where's this going? Yeah. And. It flew by. When was last? I, these movies are so long now. All of them are two and a half I hours. I love the length of the movie. Yeah, I will good. agree with you on that. My, it I just flew felt by. Like I didn't I, love the ending, but that's all right. I just felt like I was locked in a conversation with someone who was telling me about their cool ideas and showing me their cool stuff. And like, when you get to the scene where it's Paul Williams, right, who's doing the the cuts of the pig over the the, the guns and grenades. Oh yeah, yeah. And I was like, come on, like I, that's the kind of thing that that was just sort of. Did you like the script showing the off? The diner scene where Jamie Fox explains who the John Hamm character is, and it's basically Don Draper. Where he's like, you're a Wall Street guy. I got into Coke. Yeah, I and love that. that. <laughs> like, and then your life fell off the rails. I was like, this could have been the '90s Madman. Let me throw I this at like '90s Madman. I felt like it was like 20 percent of a parody of a '90s movie, which was one of the reasons I liked it. Okay, I, I think his movies I don't think have it a, took itself completely they, they, seriously. He rides the line between homage and parody, and like Hot Fuzz is like that to some extent. Shaun of the Dead is like that. It explores some of the conventions of why, like, especially in Shaun of the Dead, it's like. If we're you know running from zombies, like why are we running this way? It's like a lot of that stuff of the rules of these genre yeah. movies. I thought that this was a pretty love, like a very obviously like a love letter to that stuff rather than a parody of it. Yes, but I, maybe it was too enthralled. And to it that. rekindled my affection for certain uh, famous celebrities. I think hadn't enjoyed for... Kevin Spacey in a while. Wow, Spacey was yeah. really hadn't really good. hadn't really. When was the last time he's been in a movie that I wanted to see? Been like four or five years. K-Pax? You'd have to go like House of Cards, right? But he's the yeah. House of Cards character. I don't feel like a spacey. It's his own weird right. character. Doc does a pretty but, quick 180 in this film. Yeah. Doc's breaking he, dude's legs and then sacrificing himself for young love. Yeah. Doc's that, character arc off screen is That part was a little bit of a stretch. Dramatic. I love the evil Jamie Foxx. I thought that was the most engaged he's been Jamie in Jamie Foxx is having a good time. Jamie Foxx. And I was excited that John Hamm was doing something other than commercials. I was happy for that, too. Also, Great haircut for him. Good haircut. Strong haircut. I didn't know about his girlfriend, a little bit of uh, overacted, but in general. I, well, I, she, literally, all she had to do was make out with him, which think, is a part that many women in my life would happily It's been an up and down movie year, but 
I, and there's been like a couple of like these three to five week stretches where it just feels like there's no reason to go to the theater. But I think actually coming into August after Atomic Blonde comes, that'll be our fourth one. That'll be I've seen that and it's it's pretty it's, it's pretty entertaining. Yeah, yeah, people are really high. Yeah, on that. it's really good. I mean, like the action scenes are like really great. Like the guy who did it did the first John Wick, and it's got like just these incredible scenes. But McAvoy and Charlize are really really good in it. Mm. And I kind of wonder if we're like going to get to August and be like, you know, well, there's like probably ten good movies so far this year. Like really really either very entertaining reasons to go to the theater or like actually legit good. This movies. could be the takeaway from the summer though. It's not the ones that people were expecting. It's not the sequels, yeah. right? It's not. It's, the big- it's like the stuff. random, like the get outs and, and Logan, which I think people were excited for, but didn't know it was going to hey, be that let's good. Let's just say it. It's been a pretty good movie year so far. It always I think is. the narrative is, eh, comic book movies, eh. It's that's like, I've be- seen like eight movies I really enjoy. But isn't that because the coverage of the movie year to come is just based around the tent poles that the studios tell you that it's based around. So every yeah. movie I've seen this year, all two and a half, maybe three, I don't remember of them, all of them have had the Gunslinger trailer. Yeah. And I, people have been talking about a Stephen King Gunslinger movie for years. It got a lot of coverage that the you know the cast McConaughey and then Idris Elba. It doesn't look good, right? And it's actually isn't it like a sequel to the actual books or something? I, I don't. I've never understood what the Dark Tower series is, but people seem to love it. Okay, but this doesn't look good. And Did you it ever feels have a like Stephen King face down our throat? Whereas this other stuff is more exciting. Did you ever? I mean, he, he's shining. Yeah. Did you, like the, did you read I read the... all the books. Yeah, I the most disappointing book that should have been an awesome movie and wasn't was Christine, the Evil yeah. Car. It was all it had Christine its own was corner. pretty cool though. The movie, the John yeah, Carpenter movie. Have you watched it anytime lately? I have not. It was miscast. Poor Keith Gordon, who ruined like four <laughs> different movies in the eighties. Um. Oh, that, the, he was in Bert, Birdie. He, he, back to school. Most miscast. Oh yeah. Most that's miscast. Right. Yes, he was really right. bad. Dressed to kill. He was Keith always Keith Gordon. Yeah, yeah, Keith Gordon director. Keith yeah. Gordon. And he was terrific TV Keith director. Keith Gordon, now. very good in Legend of Billie Jean. Who is he in that? He's that the, was the only he's the time weird he's been properly cast. That they eventually wind up staying at his house, and he's like the filmmaker. Oh, yeah. yeah, and he's like walking around shooting, and he, they make her video the Ferris Fair video. Yeah, I've noticed with some '80s movies that they feel slower and slower every time I watch them now. The yeah, pacing. are you talking about Bill, Billie Jean or just in general? Just in general, like that '80 to '86 window. Of classics. Like, if you watch 48 Hours now, which is my favorite movie of all time. there's a lot of, yeah. First 20 minutes is just, it just takes forever. Also, a lot of Nick Nolte driving up and down (laughs) hills. He's like, Danny! Danny! Murphy doesn't show up until, like, the 23-minute mark. Those are, like, those are the the arm of the 70s still holding on to the filmmakers being like, no, no, you're not making popcorn fluff. You're still making art here. And then slowly they pull that yoke off. Yeah. I think the funniest thing about Cable right now is that Everyone who runs a cable network or cable movie network is just like, we're going to run all the president's men as some sort of nephew to the Trump. It's on all the time. You can't go a day without all the president's men on in some prime spot on Cinemax, HBO, or Showtime. Do you ever not watch it? I always jump in. It's so entertaining. I always jump in. It's never not good. That is not a slow that does not have a slow minute that movie how long is that movie in my mind it's like 80 minutes i think it's long. pretty long is it two it and a half hours you know one of the reasons it's so great is it's just you have two giant stars at the peak of their powers yeah. peak of their Both hair like too. they're playing off each other but there's a little one-upmanship going at the same time and it's just there's also like the best use of both incredible of them. bench it's because balsam robards, is robards Holbrook. Yeah. yeah right there's the like every guy with his feet up on his desk is great in that movie yeah, it's um, a very male movie. Like even though the women in it are all like their assistants, or yeah, if, it, if that part feels super dated. Yeah, but yeah. other than that, it's, it's oh, that's right. Catherine years. Graham's not in it at all. 
Now that's yeah. what this new movie is. Yeah, gonna, the paper. It's gonna. But what, I have one more thing that. on action movies. I think the car chase and the car race and that stuff, the camera stuff is getting better and better with it. And like that, that first eight minutes in Baby Driver, that and when he's also using L.A., I think I'm always biased against driving chase scenes in L.A. because. Well, he's this is an, they, I'm always like, how did they do Atlanta. that? What time of day was it? They said this in Atlanta. It's Atlanta. Oh yeah. yeah, I thought it was L.A. This is a big controversy. You're not the only person to say that. Andy but one of my were... problems with it was that it was so not a place. It was yeah. just Atlanta, and it was. Was it Atlanta in the movie, or yeah. was it L.A.? Yeah. It's, it's Atlanta. Sort of half make it Atlanta in the movie midway through. Yeah. Oh, I missed that part. I must have been getting M and M's. So you didn't have to pee, but you did have to get M and M's. I was yeah. wondering how they filmed this in L.A. because yeah. with all the lanes and stuff. Here, I'm going to say something. I'm going to end this in a positive note. Yeah. I'm going to say something positive about Baby, Baby Driver. Edgar Wright really knows how to direct movies. He knows he has a point of view. Yeah. So having someone who can do that direct something as specific as car chases makes you realize how bad most car chase movies are because you can't, or action movies because you can't tell what's going on. If it's just CGI nonsense, or it's one of those movies where they hire yeah. someone to basically manage the franchise. It's just blurry nothing. But if you have someone who actually knows how to move the camera, yeah, like, it's just like, like very Edgar straightforward. Or, or George Miller with, with Mad Max last year, a movie I saw on a eight inch screen on a Delta flight. But still, <laughs> just as he appreciated his twenty year journey to get that to the screen <laughs> finally ends with you watching it on a Delta know, flight. One of the things I've been proud of myself with movies and stuff is trying to avoid reading as much as possible before I see it. Yeah. And then and then doubling back after. Yeah, it's it's that's actually I really, really didn't fun. know anything about this movie other than our staff was excited about it. That was it. That was that was all I had. I avoided everything. People have been accusing me of having too high expectations, but the expectations I had were just because I like Edgar Wright's movies. I, I, thought, I thought I believed in him. Listen, you answered all the questions I had about you when you did your top 25, 21st century list. <laughs> That's when I realized Andy and I were just on natural trial. enemies. What's weird is we agree on music in the 80s and early 90s. Yeah, we do. Like you, you, you were, were two excited. of the only four people I know who would have been excited for the R.E.M., 1982 full concert video, Birth of College Rock. I am so excited for this. I would give anything to I, to to live in that video <laughs> as described they, by you. Could there be another? First of all, the Birth of College Rock has to be 82, right? 81 feels too early. Yeah. It, 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 it's, I think that people associate it with Athens right around that time. Yeah. Yeah. So 82 feels mm-hmm. right. Yeah. There's can't be an earlier full concert of R.E.M. Also, what an amazing era because that's right when Murmur is about to come out. And we all agree they're, they're the founding forefathers, right? Of the college radio. College alternative, 80s, spilling into 90s po- rock. Post-punk scene and a, post- we, and yeah. a hardcore keep, scene and stuff like that. We keep flirting with doing an REM pod. You have to come back if we do because we feel... I would love to be involved. And I think they're not only the most underrated band yes. of that decade, but it it's never really made sense why they died and just went away. Yeah. In, 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 I think, in I think, like a cultural significance way. I think the, the inverse of that is... I, it's really weird that they were popular, that they were the biggest band in the world for a the, minute. The yeah. biggest band. The biggest band. Yeah. For a three-year period, maybe? Yeah. Like, remember, well, remember? What was weird is they peaked at the wrong time of the band's arc. Is like it they gr- really gr- peaked green? from 92 to 94, in but that wasn't their famous. best work. Yeah. Is it kind of green through As Monster? Out of time through, out of time through, Mon- out of time in Monster, out of time automatic for the people. I could, Monster. I just, I, the other day I was just remembering about, because I was thinking, my, my wife and I were talking about like, uh, actually when Kurt Cobain pe- uh, killed himself and watching MTV that wah, whole day. Wah. Well, but we were talking about, because wasn't Monster right after that? Yeah. And it was somewhat about him. Let Me In, the song Let Me In is about Kurt Cobain. Yeah. And there's songs about Courtney too, right? Yeah. Well, because the other thing in that era was that Michael Stipe, as you're saying, was older than everyone else. And so yeah. he was like the godfather of the scene. He was 
34 yeah. at the time. But I remember thinking he couldn't possibly be older than, no one could be <laughs> older than him. But he was like the wise figure that, yeah. that everyone was saying to, to Kurt to reach out to, to like, he can help you through this time. And then he was palling around with Courtney. I think Losing there. My Religion was one of the biggest songs of that, like 87 and 93, just it mm-hmm. just felt gigantic. It almost felt like it was too big for them. Yeah. Yeah. That it was, was like the first video the where you were thinking. Yeah. Like Brenda and Dylan broke up on 90210 and Brenda was just playing Loose My Religion for an entire episode. <laughs> it's, it's like, how did R.E.M. get into 90210? In the 92 MTV inaugural ball. Do you remember they did an inaugural yeah. ball for Clinton? Yeah. And at that inaugural ball, there was a super group called Automatic Baby that was half of U2 and half of R.E.M. Do you remember that? And they did, and Natalie Merchant came out and sang To Sir With Love, duetted with Michael Stipe, and they sang one. Disaster. That's but the, uh, think the... about telling someone, even today, like U2 is not at their peak, but they're selling out arenas doing Joshua Tree, and they still have this mantle of like, well, they are the big rock band, even though they're all, you know, they're on the downslope of their career. But that they were equals with R.E.M. for a moment? Yeah. It's just impossible. To that was actually, by the way, the, that was only the second best uh, supergroup of the early 90s. Um, the other Hindu one was Love Gods. the Backbeat Band. Oh, Do you yeah. remember that movie Backbeat about the early Beatles? When no. the Beatles were in Germany. And there was a super group of Dave Grohl, uh, Mike Mills. Greg Dooley. Greg Dooley, Dave Perner, oh, and wow. yeah. Don, the guy from Gumball. What was that guy's name? I, 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 I wanted to And Don was produced it. And yeah. it was like they just played early Beatles songs. It's so good. It is awesome. Well, this is like the old Chuck Colsterman game, but... It's there's three guys from that era that if they just died mm-hmm. at the perfect time, they would be remembered totally differently now. And mm-hmm. I think Michael Stipe might be number one. If he'd just been in a car accident in nineteen ninety three. To be fair, Michael Stipe spent nineteen eighty six through nineteen ninety six with everyone suspecting that he was dying. Right. Remember that? And that was like a big rumor was that he he had AIDS or he was sick. Well yeah, or he had two he had two major drawbacks. One is that he wasn't a good stage performer. He was it wasn't. In, he it was, was enigmatic. I it think was, people were like. He started dancing later. Yeah, it was a rough concert. <laughs> he, he, he wasn't <laughs> really engaged in the, the audience. 80, the early one, 80, I'm just saying, just in general. I mean, we saw them in the late '80s, and it was like he he was always he never wanted to be a rock star. Let, let's talk about the the thing hanging over this whole conversation. Something that hasn't existed since the '90s. He struggled with fame. Nobody struggles with <laughs> nobody fame. Nobody does. Anymore. I know, yeah, seriously. It's such a weird thing. They're like they're struggling with fame on Instagram now. Yeah, My exactly. three guys though are Michael Stipe, Billy yeah. Corgan. If he just right after Siamese Dream, like yeah. something happens, yeah. he's he's talked about in this, and I and I actually think Dave Matthews. Wow! If Dave Matthews had died right after the second, do you think album, people like love Dave Matthews the way they love Billy Corgan though? Like I think Dave Matthews had a real moment there in like '95. Well, he had, where he, he was kind of like the the voice of that little. He had the two track fandom though. He always had the kind of like college band, college kids, campus yeah. jam fan base, and then he was a pop star for like. A couple years in there, but yeah. an accidental pop star. Though. Yeah, it was always like this guy who was kind of. It's a good he, point to even, uh, even the name of his band mentioned that. Wasn't I'm even trying to be leaving the ringer to write my 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 book, accidental stardom with Dave Matthews. <laughs> yeah, accidental. <laughs> that's that actually sounds like another REM song. That is the whole middle of their. The career. weirdest REM song was he just became fascinated by Andy Kaufman and wrote that Man on the Moon song. Oh, yeah, and, and was really committed to it. Yeah, and then it the was great, like the most important song of his career. And then there was and then the, the Great Andy, Beyond was the single they wrote for the Andy Kaufman movie. Right, which is also what was really the Andy good Kaufman? Who was in that? Jim, Jim Carrey. Carrey. I literally oh, just God. watched it three weeks ago. How, it's has it it's amazing. Up? They made the really strange decision of. Pretty much everyone in Andy's life from 78 to 82, they just cast in 1998. As themselves. It's like Letterman's in it as Letterman in 1998, but playing 1982 1982. Letterman and (laughs) Lorne Michaels and all the cast of Taxi. (laughs) 
Like Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch is in the movie. Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch. Mary Lou Henner. It's like, why, why did they do this? That's this an way? It's choice. really disorienting. But Jim Carrey is excellent. I always get that movie and The People versus Larry Flint. I associate very heavily with each other for some reason. Were they? Made That's a the grim rewatch. People? Maybe. I mean, I just know the same, same director. Right? They were written by, by, by the guys who did People versus OJ, right? By um, Oh, that's right. Yeah. The guy whose name I can't pronounce. Right. Wait, while we have you, last pop yeah. culture thing. Did, how do you feel about the return of Kirby Enthusiasm? Do you see there's a, there's a trailer? He's coming back in October. I just don't think he would ever do this unless he felt like it was going to work. Because you've I talked to him he, a few times. So has he, he said never as wanted much to, to you? It. He, was, he was out. The only case you could make against maybe this won't work is that he did get divorced. Mm-hmm. And who knows? Once right. post-divorce, you start grasping for... But I really don't think that's the case here. I really feel like he was waiting for whatever the right idea was to do a whole season. Because every season now has to have an idea, right? Right. Yeah. But it's been so long since... I don't even remember how many years. Did we even have Grantland the last time it was on? No. no. I never wrote it. Was it like 2010, so, so seven right? years, yeah. Yeah. It was, somebody said it today. It was like it went off the air seven months before Veep started. So wow. it's been that... It's been that long. I think it's been longer. Longer? I think so. But because what's crazy is if you watch like season one, that feels like it's that was years. It ago. It was like in two thousand. Yeah. I mean, you're talking like The Sopranos was just coming on that year when that. There's first a lot of stuff that's starting to happen to me more and more. Is stuff from the early two thousands feels like it's from another century. I mean, it's it's funny that The Sopranos hasn't aged well. Do you think it hasn't? I don't think so. That's like a, this is a huge I don't conversation. Know if, we gotta have you back if, to have a, a what is aged well conversation. Well, I don't know if the under twenty five generation is like I'm gonna bang out the Sopranos. I feel like the Wire has more kind of more of a tail. Yeah, and it's they? been you know yeah. there's a they put the trailer out today for the Deuce, which is the new David Simon show on HBO with James Franco playing twins, which already yeah, means right. You're right. It was 2011 was season eight. Okay. so it ended it right as we were right before on. Grantland. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's interesting because they have a lot of the the Wire crowd like Sabaka's in it yeah um you know Method Method Man Man is in it yeah and it's just it's funny to see like I guess it part of it is that I wonder how much of the Sopranos thing is affected by David Chase's relative creative silence like other than the uh the coming of age rock and roll movie he made what was that called um never uh, uh, don't yeah. not fade not away. fade away right yeah which should have been a tv show right but they he's not he hasn't really made a lot of stuff since then I, I also wonder if it's just people tell you what the wire it's talked about in these in these hallowed terms but it's also it, it's essentially it's very tight it's one story as you're saying sopranos the dna was old tv in that it was these characters and it was sort of digressive and their whole seasons were you remember the remember the johnny cakes up in new england i mean there are whole diversions that if you were making the a time parade perfect show you would probably excise but i so, think i make the case that that's why the show is good and right. worth worth exploring because it really, it's such a bridge show yeah it, it's it's so are you volunteering to do binge mode the sopranos 120 episodes <laughs> yeah <laughs> only if i can do it with the same exacting perfectionism as mallory and jason and zach's willing to work yeah. um nine day weeks here's what i think i think the sopranos the shield and oz mm-hmm. belong to a different generation almost like an nba mm-hmm. where it's like Dr. J and the Iceman and those guys, but then like Bird and Magic come along. Like, yeah, it's like the post Jordan Free LeBron for era. It, but yeah. yeah, the the other shows are just better done. Better done. I, I agree think. with you about the Shield and Oz. The Shield is not Sopranos, age well at all. It, Sopranos bridges it because it, it. I mean, really, TV should be like a filet mignon, right? Like The Wire is like a filet mignon. There's not a lot of fat on it. There's not a lot of wasted episodes. I think Sopranos is hugely influential in many ways, obviously, but in one key way that I think we're feeling a lot today, which is 
David Chase didn't care what the audience thought of it. Right. But especially by the end, he was like, you people want blood. Here you are, you monsters. Like these people are, I'm making a show about terrible people. I'm not going to give you what you want. And I think that we're seeing more and more of that as we're even more auteur driven now than we were then. But how many Sopranos episodes were there, you think? Maybe 75? There were seven seasons, right? Or six and a half? 12 each? Um, I would say. One was long. One was like 18, I think. if If we had a stat like in sports where you could measure the amount of fat versus what the actual number okay. of episodes should have been. I would say The Sopranos... 86, guys. That's much more than I thought. Oh. Yeah. I would say The Sopranos should have been like 50 to 55 There's 60 episodes. 60 episodes of The Wire. There yeah. are 86 episodes. And The Wire the was probably five episodes too fat. Yeah. How many episodes Mad of like was Breaking probably... Bad were there? Were there like 50 episodes? 54, I think. 54. Breaking Bad's probably the tightest of all yeah. of them. Yeah. And Breaking Bad, the last season, quote unquote, or two seasons, quote unquote, are just like two, 62. six episodes, In right? Game of Thrones... After this season, we'll be at 67, and then there's going to be movie length, four more, five more. Um, I always thought it would have been a cool idea if somebody, and somebody like David Chase would never do this, but if they took, they're like, here, take the 86 hours of The Sopranos. Oh, and do a cut? Just do a movie for each season. Yeah. Season one movie. But here, cut out all the fat and just reinvent it. I wonder if anybody's ever going to do that. We were just talking about this because- Andy hates this idea. I was telling Sean Yu about um, the the chronological Godfather cut, how you can watch it where it starts in New York. That's that's like disorienting. Yeah, and it's really strange. I don't actually, I think it it does a bad service It's really strange for Michael to come in that late. Yeah. Yeah, but- it was. I, we were, I was wondering if, like, I wonder if you could go back and start doing these re-edits of stuff. I, I mean, I want to make one more argument for the Sopranos, and I want to do it using we're, we're something. We're not Sopranos bashing. No, no, but, Sopranos, but for, Sopranos. for people taking time to go back to it, because I think yeah. you're onto something. That I think you're probably. We have no evidence of this whatsoever, but I think probably you're right that people are more likely to watch Breaking Bad, which is exceptional. One of the greatest shows of all time. Also, because it follows one straight line down. It's one story beginning to end, and it goes straight down. Right. But you guys, in your recent NBA podcast, which I loved, talked yeah. a lot about, and Chris then wrote a piece about this, about it shouldn't just be tanking your titles. That there right. is something about enjoying the ride and enjoying a first-round loss of dignity or fun or whatever. And the fun of The Sopranos, I remember watching it, catching up the first three seasons, then watching the last three live, I think, having so much fun watching them on DVD because it was just there was just so many weird stories and following it on this meandering thing. We didn't know where it was going. I don't remember. It wasn't the... only about Tony. It was about this whole world that expanded outwards. And that mm. is part of the pleasure of TV is getting lost in something, not knowing the end the end game as you set off on the journey. That's what I was going to ask. Is I, cause I, I don't think I was really re- reading as much about television when Sopranos went off the air. Was Is Tony going to live or not a big question before the last no. episode? No. I, well, also, I think we, we were... We were TV viewers of a different era. So, of course, the star of the show isn't going to die. You know, this is like pre-Ned Stark. Right. We didn't expect that, that, that kind of formalist experimentation. This but, was like, a show was it about hanging over the last season? Um, oh, oh, you mean in the last season? Yeah. Like, yeah, was, was it hanging, hanging over, over the, like, season. is Tony going to live I don't, hanging over the last season? I think season? It, if yeah. it was 2017, I think that would have been... The only thing people talked yeah. about. Yeah. I, I think... Because we're much dumber now. But at the end, it definitely was. <laughs> people were making the case yeah. that the only way this show can end, and that obviously informed how people watched the finale, which was, you know, with this vehemence that he died. Like I think the internet would have been much, much less kind. The 2017 internet yeah. during the Sopranos arc would have been much more vicious. Because I, I remember... 2003, I was at Kimmel Show. There was a Soprano season when I was at Kimmel Show. Mm-hmm. And we would come in on Monday for the writers meeting mm-hmm. where we're supposed to try to figure out our show. And we would talk about the Sopranos for like over an hour. Mm-hmm. 
And there wasn't really a place to get that. The internet hadn't really formed with their message but boards. But it was a there show a lot that of demanded Reddit. that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of it was us complaining, but we loved it. But part of the magic of The Sopranos, would it, would, it would have these four kind of dissatisfying episodes. And then it would have the one amazing episode. And, you, and you'd, you'd be like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Like, it, that's kind of what you would wait for over and over again. It was like a basketball player that got hot every once in a while. People thought about I, I think of this when I think of The Sopranos, I think of the first time as a culture people were it was people were thinking about a season of TV like a sports season. In yeah. The yeah. Sense that like, yeah. Here we go again. It's back. The game's back. We're going to this is what we're going to talk about for 10 weeks or 12 weeks or whatever it was. That's really cool. I didn't think about it like that. But yeah. But there wasn't much. Also, there wasn't much. I mean, there were other we shows. We're also on the talking year. about Gandolfini, who didn't have a lot of history with people except for True Romance and 8mm and these smaller movies mm-hmm. that. And then really kind, heartfelt roles. Yeah, <laughs> really lovable, warm. Yeah. And then it was like, shit. He, he this guy's the star of a TV show. That's crazy. And then uh, he becomes. Was there like a? Was it always him, or was no, there? No, ever... there was a. The Sopranos was developed by David Chase for Fox. Yeah. With Anthony LaPaglia. Oh God, in the that's lead role. right. You need um, so much luck with this stuff. Yeah. And was, was... How many How many Don Drapers were there supposed to be before it was, him? It was a millimeter away from being Thomas Jane. Who later went on to star and hung and was really good in Boogie Nights. I yeah, still was... feel like he's Boogie Nights, Todd. <laughs> Todd Parker. Yeah. <laughs> That's that he could have been Don Draper too. But yeah, every, the timing of all this stuff is so That's precise. So and what crazy. do you think you need? The, you need, think you need more luck with the creator or the star? I would say the creator. Um, I still think that the matters. star has a lot to do with it because I was just going to say the star that can sink it. You were talking yeah. about this idea of like. Um, you know, shows that that has that, that you can enjoy the journey on. And I think one of the, the most recent on the large scale, recent examples of that is like Friday Night Lights, where it was like, mm. were they to win state championship mm-hmm. or not? was really not the point of watching the show. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking a lot about how much all the kids in that movie. I mean, they've gone into varying degrees of success. But movie one of the, the show, the show, the show. Yeah. But one of the reasons why. That show is so beloved is literally because of the cat. I mean, it, that's it, what people remember. If Kyle Chandler's not Coach Taylor, if Connie it's Britton. if it's Billy Bob, even if it's he, Billy Bob who played him in the movie. But here, here's the it's a it's one of the fundamental differences between movies and TV, right? Where if you're a good creator and you have a good script and you have a good point of view, you can make a good pilot. You can maybe make a good season. But mm. TV shows have to continue to expand and grow and deepen. And you have to continue to want to spend time with them and fall in love with them. And you have to do new things. Yeah. You can't just do the first season over again. And that's when you need a cast who can get better, who has depth that people want to spend time with. I would with. argue that and The Sopranos didn't have that cast. You know, even the Polly Walnuts? I think even when you watch like those, those shows again, iconic <laughs> characters, though, right? They, they were a kind of characters, They're but incredible. it would have been interesting to see like better actors in those roles. For some, I mean, like you, Stevie Van Zandt. But there were some people who, I mean, the star of Lilyhammer, Netflix's <laughs> first original well, show. I mean, it's almost like the '98 Bulls. Like, what did everybody do after the show? But no, there were, nobody went on to do anything. Uh, there, well, there are a couple people who, like, Except I think Gandalf surprised Fanny. them, and so they got more to do, like, like Bobby Bacala, like that guy. How bad was, was AJ early. Soprano? He was probably. Well, kids are always problematic. I'll tell you, I know one thing that the Sopranos extended cast has done since the show. What? They are reliable guests at every HBO launch premiere party in New York City <laughs> at the very table. They are always there, and they're thrilled to see each other, yeah. and they're helping themselves to the gabagool. It's great. I have a last question, then I'll go because I hijacked your pod inadvertently. It's, it's always a fun. pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think the Bronx Tale hasn't <laughs> aged as well as some of the other Italian slash mafia movies? Chaz. Chaz Palminteri. Have you watched the Bronx Tale? It is I haven't watched lights it in a out. while. De Niro. The characters are great. Is that it's DiCaprio? It's DiCaprio, right? No, it's Lilo no. Brancato, right? Yeah. It's uh, it's the little kid who witnesses the, the 
the that's not to Chaz Pum. No, no, no that's of? the this boy's life. You're thinking life. of the, the, <laughs> the boy's yeah, yeah, which is like the, him in the Boy Scouts outfit. Yes. Yeah. The okay, only so other no. person who's with me in this is Lombardi. I feel like the Bronx Tale is huh. at least it's in the Goodfellas conversation. It's not wow. as good as no. Goodfellas. That's, it's that's it's a short like, conversation. But what I'm just talking about favorite movies of like just Italian people mafia. Like uh-huh. it's it should be mentioned. Okay. I'll have it's to go back and watch it. Just pushed off the side. Yeah, I I gotta go back and watch it. Is that that was Chaz Palminteri's like Eddie one Mush. man? That was his play. Yeah, it was right? his one and man show. He, remember when Chaz, Chaz? See, this is this is why I brought this up. Chaz was like the male Gretchen Mall of the nineties. Chaz, Chaz was just suddenly dropped in our laps. So much. Chaz was great in that movie, and not in any other movie. He's okay in Usual Suspects. He does his job. Usual Suspects and Memento. Memento are the two movies that have not have not carried the audience that they had in the moment. I think. Yeah. I would They're be, not mentioned. Ever. I would like to, people Memento make, had a real people moment. make Usual Suspects jokes, but I don't know how many people watch the movie. Yeah, I don't think people even know who is it. They don't even know. Like, I've rewatched the Usual Suspects recently. Let me tell you something. It holds up. That movie is really good. That's good. Man, that movie is awesome. There was a nice little run of the mid '90s of movies that weren't spoiled by the internet. Crying that game. now just could not happen. Yeah, right. Usual Suspects. Game. I didn't know what was going to happen in the Crying Game. I didn't me know either. like if somebody's head was going to come off or what. It was not that. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, was it wasn't that. Now there'd be a whole backlash to it. I know. Why All is right. this the big reveal? Let's wrap it up because we got to talk about yeah, Spider-Man go. before we get out. Bill Simmons, thank you for joining us. Can you guys us. watch Bronx Tale? We'll, yeah. watch Bro- we'll have a special Bronx Tale binge mode. I forgive <laughs> you for Baby Driver. I'm glad we could work it out. I appreciate yeah. that. I <laughs> understand. I, we understand where both of us are coming from. 18 months from now is January 2019. Yeah. I'm going to come. I'm going to get you. Good. Yeah. I'm going to really upset you. That'll be the John Hamm <laughs> Showtime show that yeah. one of us likes and one of us when doesn't. When John like. Hamm replaces Schreiber on late Ray Donovan. <laughs> or, 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 or it'll just be Sixer Celtic stuff. It's going to be it's going to be Rick Donovan. Yeah. It's, it's, Ray Donovan's it's brother. my brother Rick. Rick Donovan. He's also good at fixing things. See you later, We'll take a quick break from our sponsor and then to hear from our sponsor and then we will uh, be right back to talk about Spider-Man Homecoming. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Simply Safe. Getting a good night's sleep is easier said than done, especially when you think you just heard a noise downstairs. Think about it. What do you want to do in that situation? You could turn on all the lights and keep watch. You check your kids' beds every hour, sleep with one eye open, or you can rest easy knowing that your home and family are protected with Simply Safe. When you install your Simply Safe home security system, you are arming your home with a powerful set of sensors that actually tell you if a door is open or if a window breaks. There's a 105 decibel siren that alerts you at the first sign of trouble. That sounds incredibly loud and terrifying to burglars and cats. And a dedicated team of security professional watching over you 24-7. They're ready to send the police with Simply Safe. There are no long-term contracts, and around-the-clock monitoring is only $14.99 a month. So don't spend another night second-guessing your home's safety. Get Simply Safe and get some rest. Go to simplysafe.com/ringer and get a special 10% discount when you order today. That's simplysafe.com/ringer for 10% off your order. simplysafe.com/ringer. Today's episode of The Watch is also brought to you by the homies at SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be a complicated and confusing process, but there is a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps, and SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It is my plug for the Dodgers. Whenever I want to go to Dodger Stadium, which is one of my favorite places in Los Angeles. You park at my house and we walk together. 
I do I do, do that sometime, or sometimes I take a ride-sharing app, and I and I go get dropped off there so that then I can walk down the hill and enjoy a beverage. <laughs> SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, watch listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. That's awesome. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code WATCH. And SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code WATCH today. All right, we are back, Andy. Nice little cameo from Bill Simmons. That was surprising. He that came, was great. I, do you think I diffused the situation? I thought so. Just you guys just vibing out on The Sopranos just made it all, all gravy. Uh, we are here to talk now about Spider-Man Homecoming, but I want to talk a little bit just before we get into that. Because we haven't made people wait long enough. About some more pressing news affecting the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh. And that is the double arm break <laughs> of Jeremy Renner. <laughs> How, first of all, how, how dare you laugh? So Jeremy Renner broke his arms. Arm, plural. Arms. Arms. While filming a comedy. He wasn't even filming Infinity War 9 or whatever the he hell he was. He was filming been. The House 2? He two? was filming, filming Tag. What's that? I bet it's about playing Tag. It, it's like it's like the, the, the bastard stepchild of fist fight? Like this is where we are now I get it's like, or, or like, you know, yeah, basically it is. I think it's probably about a game of Tag that goes, I get the feeling like awry. comedies are being like, it's not even an elevator pitch. It's just like before I go into the elevator, tell me what this no, is. No, it's like, do you actually know what these words signify in this order? Fine, please buy a ticket. He He's definitely not casted up. I'm looking at Instagram now. He seems to be wearing two arm braces. And like, he's just, and his, his Instagram says, fall down seven times, stand up eight. Fixed up hashtag, which is also you could apply to any of his real estate investments, which he fixes up. Exactly right. He's still but branding. I don't know how he's going to work on the wainscoting if he's got two broken arms. That's pretty impressive. I mean, I guess the thing you could say is he doesn't, he does, he, go, he everything he does, he does big. Why break one arm when you could break two? That's true. Um, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him too. I'm not trying to make fun of him. It's I'm just, just shocked. I, I th- just worry about the real estate bubble if he's not working on houses. I thought this was. I thought this was done during Infinity War. Like, please tell me no, that he rapped. It was done during a comedy. I think he's just doing his like. I have to stand in front of a green screen and go cap. You know. I, I have to say, <laughs> we you know we're, we're we're in rehearsals for our Talk the Throne show. Yes. And uh, we did a rehearsal last night. And um, by the way, I, let me just apologize to you again. For my behavior during that that rehearsal, yeah, I, it was I, pretty. It was pretty out of line. It was unprofessional. But we watched an episode ahead of time, and we watched an episode from season six. Yeah, and it's an episode uh, where the hound. We watched um, no one. Yeah, get some revenge, and uh, when he Peas encounters, in Thor, he <laughs> sure does. Yeah, Mallory's still talking about it. When he encounters Thoros and Beric, yeah, a bunch of Thoric, Thoros and Beric's dudes. That sounds like I'm shipping them. <laughs> the I love, Brotherhood. Of, I love Thoric. Yeah. Uh, they point some bows and arrows at him, and. The, the Hound has a negative opinion of archers yeah. and their role in um, the fighting firmament. And I was thinking about Hawkeye in that. Yeah. When he was like. He's like, don't, don't point your arrow at me like a little girl. You Nancys. Yeah. I have to say, I have to come clean and say that um, much like, uh, I, I just feel like I am, I'm playing myself into shape, much like Markel Fultz. 
Uh, last night Are we, we were talking, talking about, about the... how you jinxed Markel Fultz. You flew to Vegas <laughs> to see Markel Fultz. You saw him crumple to the floor. Yes, that was not cool. Or not cool. I didn't that. enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, last night I felt like when I was like, how come these guys? How come Thoros and Barrick don't sign up for somebody's team? They seem you, like they're the cool free agents, and Mallory was like, "Because they're the brother." No, you said why, you literally said, "Why don't they fight under anyone's banner?" <laughs> and then you were like, "Why don't they let any sisters in their club?" Andy, what's in a name? You know what I mean? If we can't work on our branding, what can we do? It's right there, you know. Okay, you know what I mean. Everybody has to choose a side. We'll find out soon. Uh, Game of Thrones, Talk the Thrones is on Sunday night, right after the episode. We have a special guest. I don't know if we're allowed to see who it is yet. Uh, maybe we'll announce it at our live show tomorrow night at Largo and then talk about it on Thursday. When we're going to be joined by Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion we from have the popular the, podcast. We have a, a star of uh, an HBO show coming to join us. The it's not is, Game of Thrones, it, though. It's, <laughs> no, of course not. It's, it's uh, actually the guy who gets shot. It's the guy who gets his head ripped off. <laughs> it's actually not one of the stars of After the Thrones either because we couldn't get those guys. Yeah, those guys. They're out of our price range. Um, okay, let's talk about Spider-Man, which seems to be... With my, um, you know, polling is is up and down these days across the globe. Indeed. But uh, I don't think I've met somebody who doesn't like this movie. Mm-hmm. Or no, I don't know of anybody. There's one person on the Ringer staff who uh, will remain nameless for now, because I don't want to spoil any piece that they might have coming, who did not like it. Thought wow. it was bourgeois. Wow. Yeah. But uh, F- Finally, the internet has a new enemy. <laughs> <laughs> Aim your Nancy bow and arrows at that person. But... This movie was just delightful, and part of the reason why I liked it so much was how small it felt. Yes. It is a local movie. It is largely set in the outer boroughs of New York City. It's about it. And I, I don't care at all about the verisimilitude of Queens, modern-day Queens. I, I don't care where they shot it. I know the color palette is boring. I know that every— oh, better than most. Yeah, sure. It's great. I mean, like, it, it, I didn't care at all. Because this movie did something that I've been waiting for it to happen. And I think it's starting to slowly happen with Ant-Man, mm-hmm. with this, like where you're starting to see basically that largely impro- improvised style that you see in Aptow movies mm-hmm. or say like Neighbors or something like that, where you can tell this was like the ninth version of the joke that they're trying out. This had some of that energy and some of that irreverence, but it felt very, very tightly scripted. Yeah. And each scene seemed to have a purpose. And it seemed to build something more and more. And no matter what plot holes or you know anything you could find that was wrong with the movie, it just kind of gets washed away by how delightful every single person is in this movie. And we just talked to Bill. He was like, "Do you think it's more important to have a cast or a creator?" And I, you know, John Watts did a great job of this, and and, and the screenplay was great. But everybody in this movie deserves ten times more money than they got because mm-hmm. they were awesome. Yeah. Tom Holland was great. Zendaya was great. She really was. Michael Kate Keaton was great. You know, Tomei. Tomei. Tomei back. Tomei got the high waist pants. Yeah, I could. I can't. I can't even know where to start. I thought this movie was goddamn delightful. Mm-hmm. I had a wonderful time seeing it. Um, I am surprised by that because the Lord knows the world did not need another Spider-Man movie, but apparently, it just needed a pretty good movie about a character, and a world that people naturally love. And here's the thing I want to say more than anything else. This isn't rocket science. We've now been making superhero movies for, as a culture yeah. for 20 years, and people still don't get it. Now, the whole dynamic of the conversation has changed. 20 years ago, when I was a, just a young, strapping comic book fan, 
you you know the idea of any movies getting made about was seemed impossible. Like there, nothing was ever going to be made of these, but certainly of like you know minor characters like Ant Man or, or or Deadpool or whatever. But the idea of even a Spider Man movie felt very far fetched. Um, we've been now been doing it long enough and making enough money. Certain companies have been making enough money that the assumption is that they know how to do these things. But I I would push back, and I still think they're getting it mostly wrong. Spider Man and Batman are the two most popular superheroes. Full stop. I feel like that is a safe comment to make. Yeah. And the reason why is because they're dudes. Now, I wish they were not dudes. I wish there were some who were ladies as well in this conversation. But what I mean by that is not their gender identity, but rather that they don't have superpowers really. They're right. kind of, I mean, okay, Spider-Man does have superpowers. But they are essentially normal people put into abnormal situations. Batman does it in a very gruff, serious way, which can lead to a very specific type of story that can be done very well. I'm a Spider-Man guy. I think Spider-Man is probably the greatest superhero ever created, even though... Can you change your Twitter bio to I'm a Spider-Man guy? I, yes. <laughs> yes. I, I, there's so much win on my Twitter feed right now anyway <laughs> that I think that I should. And the reason why is because he's a kid who doesn't know what he's doing who lives in Queens. Yeah. And for as entertaining as those Sam Raimi movies were, the first two certainly, plus the jazz sequence from the third one, um, those got it a little bit. They got the wonder. But they always ran as far away from the central thing as possible. I think, I think is it the first Spider-Man that begins or there's a big, I just remember a graduation scene pretty early in either the first one or the second one. Like, let's get him living in Manhattan. Let's get him away from the stuff that actually matters as quickly as possible. And this movie understood that. Yeah, and it also did something really smart by being an origin movie without being an origin story. Oh, such a smart thing. We're so tired of it. You so know what words we never got said in this movie? Through... Uncle Ben. Yeah, he's looms. He's looming. But... The how did you become Spider-Man gets handled in one line of throwaway dialogue with Ned where because he's just like, no, yeah, yeah, I got bit. And he's like, what? And, the, and it's kind of funny because Ned asks all these ridiculous Reddit AMA questions mm-hmm. about it. Like, did, can you do lay eggs? Yep. Like, do you spit venom? And he's like, no, no. And it's like, great. You just they and any other ad, uh, adaption of this would be 45 minutes of yeah. him shuffling around school hallways and being like, I feel different. I wish I could understand myself. Can and then, you put that voice on your Twitter bio? <laughs> that was my Toby Maguire. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Do that voice of Toby Maguire at high stakes <laughs> poker at three in the morning, like a Michael Clayton set up in Chinatown. Let's see the river. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. uh, you keep talking. You want me to keep talking? I don't remember because I, I still got say. takes. Here's my other I got, take. I got takes, but I'll come what back to What do you think about the fact that this is um, uh, engineered to be timeless? So it feels, and people have like, like uh, I've heard people mention "Can't Hardly Wait." I've heard people mention "16 Candles." There's an overt. Ferris There's an Bueller overt reference. Ferris Bueller reference. I and, and the, I, there is very little like when they go to the prom. There is no Machine Gun Kelly cameo. I don't know Machine Gun Kelly. Like it would probably be like twenty. No, they're Savage. playing Flock of Seagulls. Right. It's, it's all. Dope. It's got a. It's got an eighties vibe. It's got a kind of utopian like even though high school is hard flash is hardly a bully you know he's more just sort of like people forget this too there's certain things in entertainment that are not hard they're maybe hard to do but they're not hard to remember or conceive of people love teenage stories just they they're they're always going to be you know it's it's why every few years there's a show like the oc or 90210 or riverdale or whatever where teenage emotions are heightened and everyone experienced them either they're experiencing them now or exactly or they remember them in a very nostalgic way, usually yeah. associated with music or other culture. That's still pleasurable and fun to do. And this movie, not only the people who made the movie, not only understood that they celebrated it in a way that other movies are afraid to do, and they got it right in subtle ways. You mentioned the Flash thing. First of all, shouts to Tony Revolori, 
late of the Grand Budapest Hotel, who's terrific <laughs> yeah. in this. Um, Just the, the, he was he, like a villain out of a John Cusack movie. But the movie the popped collar. But the movie remembered something, which is that one of the weird things about high school is that it's rarely overt heroes and villains. Someone might be a villain, but you kind of have to still be in math club with them mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. So the relationship with Flash was they're not friends, but they know each other. Yeah. They're in each other's lives. They have to see each other every day. They can't be a fight on Monday and then like they're taking the Spanish pop quiz on Wednesday. There was a really nice nice relationship between them. And also, I, I realize it feels like we're giving praise for small things that more more movies should get right, but they don't, which is to say this movie is about a teenager in Queens supposedly in 2017. So thank you for giving us a Queens and certainly a high school in Queens that looks like Queens, which is the most diverse square footage area of America and feels like it in a wonderful way. And that's what the school felt like too. They cast it really well. I want to talk about Tom Holland, but first I just want to ask you how much, what, like, first of all, do you think that there are any scenes in this movie where it's just a Robert Downey Jr. hologram? Like he's not actually literally there. all of them. Yeah. I, one of the most interesting things was because there when, seems to be a, there was almost a joke about that going yeah. through the movie, like with the Iron Man, the he's robot Iron Man. He's not in the suit, and just like this thing where he's like in more and more ridiculous places when he's FaceTiming. I thought with that him. was cool that they was brought really a GoPro rig to the 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 wedding that Robert Downey Jr. was really attending in Mumbai. Yeah, but to, now that, so they're using Robert Downey Jr. out of the bullpen like Andrew Miller now, where it's like he he might just take over your game, but I also haven't watched baseball in nine months, so I don't, I'm not sure if that's accurate. Ethan's <laughs> arm has recently flown off of his body. <laughs> Did it really? No. Okay. Uh, the, the thing that you said at the beginning, I want to come back to you about it being a small movie, because the one criticism I started to have, which the movie smartly like un- whittling. undid, <laughs> yeah. was... I'm not a fan of Spider-Man with an Iron Man suit, you know, with all the gadgets and yeah, yeah. and like the, the digital assistant and everything. And one of the great things the movie accomplished, this is just very well constructed, is that that's part of this story, which is he always has someone to bail him out until suddenly he doesn't. Yeah. And the movie does a very good job. You rarely feel anything close to emotional stakes in these movies. This one was different. The moment when Keaton opens the door and is Liz's dad, Many people probably could have seen it coming. I didn't. I was delighted by that. Yeah. What a great twist. Way to make it personal for both. Great scene in the car. Him driving him to, to the prom and it, asking him questions. And it's working as it's working on, uh, as what it appears to be, and with the subtext of the the superhero versus villain. The protagonist and antagonist both have family relationships that are at stake, which makes it interesting going forward. No one dies, which mm-hmm. is also really nice. Um, but but also that it gave this weight to the end where he doesn't have anyone to help him. There isn't Iron Man coming to fly yeah. in. There isn't a special magic suit with just the right combination of web shooters to save the day. That made it feel real, even though he was wrestling an invisible flying plane, even though every decision he made in the film as a hero was more or less catastrophic yeah. and everything was his fault. Yeah, and he, I think that part of that is uh, Holland. So I remember when Andrew Garfield was Spider-Man. Garf. And... Uh, I'm not trying to pile on because I know he's taken some L's recently in the press, but he did this, like, his round of press for, like, getting the Spider-Man role was, like, it's just an enormous honor Mm -hmm. and a huge responsibility Mm -hmm. to play Spider-Man. And it was, like, chill out. You know, like, now it's, like, this dude is Billy Elliot, and he's just having a blast dancing all over the city. And there's very little, like, you know, weight on this movie. It's so light on its feet. And it's not an insult to Andrew Garfield, but I think... He got unlucky in the, 
hey, let's reimagine Spider-Man as like a, a really goth emo kid. Yeah. And Tom Holland gets the benefit of let's it, it, it reinvent Spider-Man as a vine. You know what I mean? Like as a as a really fun like child of this like everything's okay right like but also embracing things like the, the remember the joke in 21 jump street where they go back to high school and being smart is suddenly cool and yeah. they're totally stymied yeah. by that these kids are smart kids they're fine and i kind of like that i love that they with zendaya who is i guess a model or i don't actually She's a singer yeah a zendaya. singer yeah uh they have someone who looks like a model and they cast her as ali sheedy Right. And she can play that. Literally, Ali Sheedy, because she does the, the the she makes the joke about being in detention. She's really, really funny and yeah. winning. And the movie takes its time. It doesn't need to do anything with that until And the she obviously sequel. is gonna be the star of the second one because she doesn't do much in this one and she says at the end, I'm MJ or whatever. But they but the way they weave that in, you're thrilled every time she comes on screen. Yeah. It we when Bill was here, we talked about Baby Driver, and and I say this completely honestly. I loved the running time of Baby Driver, not because I wasn't enjoying it, because more movies should be shorter. This movie, as our producer Zach knows, when he suggested we see it, I was like, I don't know, man. It's over. It's like two two twenty. Yeah, didn't feel it. No, the only time it dragged honestly was the extended Vulture stuff to rob the Stark plane. Yeah, and end. that's a testament to how the like really good the more domestic scenes of it are that. The bad part of this movie was the 25-minute action sequence. Yeah. How, yeah. About, how about Donald Glover in this? That one Donald scene. Glover's... <laughs> he's I'm really... not trying to send someone back in time. <laughs> he's really good in this. Just this small casting around the margins like of uh, Martin Starr, of Hannibal Burris, of uh, Michael Chernis. How much do you think Paltrow made for that? Walk on. Did you stick around for the credits of this movie? I didn't. I know that there was a cutscene. I didn't. The, the, the credits are pop art animated really fun set to the Ramones also reveal that Paltrow got third billing or something what <laughs> <laughs> that's somehow, amazing somehow she can still throw that goop around shout and out get... to the power of agents and, and that scene was also very good and very fun she at the end. there's even odds that she did not know what movie she was in she was like which one is this infinity war it doesn't matter civil, civil infinity like, but I'm giving him credit for this because all the stitching all the setting up I mean the movie was aware of it, it in the way that it, it showed us civil war from a kid's perspective yeah and it showed us the stuff this is again what Spider-Man should be doing it shows us on the granular level that John Favreau, not friend of the pod, John Favreau, other John Favreau, had to pick him up, take him to the airport. He was in a hotel. Yeah. Then went to some air- airport hangar to have this big battle, and then went home in time for math class. And I love I, the fact that it was about like what happens when this stupid fight happens in the city, and there's all this like trash around yeah, the city that is it from damage an control alien world. When waiting for, I think I think they are developing a TV show now. That was a great miniseries from Marvel in the eighties. Was this, damage control? It was called Damage Control. It's about the guys who have to clean up afterwards. That's really um, funny. Last They're developing thing, a TV series about of that? Of course they are. Yeah. Of course. Last thing is, um, if uh, if the film adaptation was being made today mm-hmm. with Nicolas Cage and Nicolas Cage, um, I don't think he'd be going to see Robert McKee. I think he'd be going to see Kevin Feige. You think he's on the hot streak, huh? I just think, I mean, that guy seems to just really know his business. I mean, that purely is a compliment. I thought Doctor Strange was not that great. I think these movies are generally on a downward trajectory. And obviously this one, um, Amy Pascal and Sony um, did the bulk of the work, mm-hmm. They, but they were smart enough to bring in Marvel and Feige and everything to make it work, and now it's a big hit. 
but he does understand something that should be simpler, which is he understands the characters. In the same way that we, the, gave, we gave Wonder Woman the praise for this too. Wonder Woman seemed to understand the essential trait of the character that is universal and make people like her. Is Chris McKenna, who has the screenwriting credit in this movie, the Chris McKenna from Community? Yes. So is Community the secret sauce of the late period Marvel movies? Because oh, Harmon was just throwing alts on the set of Doctor Strange? Yeah. The guys who wrote this movie, well, the, you well, said it, J- John Daly from Freaks and Geeks. And wrote Jonathan it. Goldstein, yeah. So those guys are a writing team, yeah. and they did Horrible Bosses, and then they wrote Vacation with yes. Ed Helms, which I, I low key kind of liked. And they came on my podcast to talk about that right when they had gotten this gig, and they were not allowed to speak about it, but uh, in anything but generalities, and they seemed to really understand it. Now, they didn't get sole credit. McKenna's on it too, and then um, they got a couple other story are, by. Yeah. So clearly there was arbitration. But again, this is either I, I think you got to give Feige credit here because it felt like one thing. It felt like one piece it, for five writers. It did. Like, I think there was five credited screenwriters, There's, and it's yeah. it was pretty pretty seamless for that. And shouts to John Watts, by the way. Cop Car was his last movie, which is a very which is also his first movie. No, he had made a horror film before that. Okay, but Cop Car is a very entertaining. Very minor. I don't mean that as an insult. It's the also movie, very basically. tight. It's very tight. But it's very tight. He directs yeah. kids well. Um, All right. Yeah. Keaton, by the way. <laughs> He's having a great time. Keaton is having a great time. Keaton, Insert Birdman joke. Keaton pulled off the frilled uh, leather jacket. Too. Okay. Uh, Tuesday, if you're in LA, we're at Largo. Yep. Thursday, watch Re Up with Jason and Mal previewing season seven of Game of Thrones. Which is happening. We, there's no denying it now. Sunday night, 10 0. Three, eight, ten, oh, you know, like as Not soon even. as the preview, the next week on Game of Thrones is over, go to twitter.com slash ringer. You will find us. Hopefully, you'll just see us right in your feed. I think you can find us on the Explore feed too, right? Like, I, yeah, I imagine we will be trending worldwide. And I mean, uh, no doubt. And not for the first time, yeah. but for the first time for something positive. Um, <laughs> also, people keep asking this you don't have to watch it at that time it will be available yes. to watch you on Twitter. You can just Twitter. always go to the, the Twitter feed, it will be right there. It's never going anywhere We're forever. Gonna- it will live forever, like everything else on the internet, including shame. Um, and then next Monday, I imagine we will try to catch up on Twin Peaks. Yeah. Okay, because I didn't get a chance to see it this week, but we have some stuff to catch up, and maybe we'll hit some Snowfall. Oh, we got to watch Snowfall on FX. So thanks to Zach Mack. Thanks to Andy Greenwald. Thanks for Bill Simmons. Thanks to you. Great job, Vransky. Good, Good podcasting. Today's episode of The Watch was brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Things change, the weather changes, your mood changes, so why lock yourself into plans that might change? With Hotel Tonight, you don't have to, because you'll get incredible deals on awesome hotels, even at the last minute. Booking on Hotel Tonight gives you the freedom and flexibility to play things by ear while knowing you'll score a great price and a great place to stay. So download the Hotel Tonight app and find seriously amazing deals now. 